Oh man, it's so good to be back together in one room with Peninjas and a bunch of crew who are at FAT but haven't been around at youth. It's awesome to be here tonight. Uh, if you weren't able to make it to FAT but you're here tonight, I want you just to have a great time with us anyway. Um, you know, shame you missed it, but that's all right. Next year is always there. It's good to be here. Hey, I um, saw this on Facebook a while ago, get ripped quick. Uh, I don't know why these things are popping up on my Facebook. 2,000-year-old super liquid that you should be consuming every day for weight loss. Easy way to abs. <laughs> this kind of stuff is popping up all the time on my Facebook. I don't know what... I don't know how Facebook works. I don't know why it thinks I need this stuff, right? Um, a while ago, I found this one. I'm a pretty big fan of this one. Great news. A new study says that you can shove your face with cheese to lose weight. Uh, and I think that's my second favourite of all time. And you guys might have seen this stuff before. I talked about this particular thing last year. But anyway, here's my favourite piece of weight loss advice of all time. It's from a good friend of mine, Luke Charters. And here's what he says about weight loss. He says, so my... I'll do it in his voice. So my Pinterest got hacked and posted a bunch of weight loss product endorsements. Sorry, guys. But if you're after instant weight loss, dysentery is still your best bet. <laughs> Now, dysentery is an awful disease that gives you horrendous diarrhoea, if you didn't know that. There you go. Now, (laughs) those kind of ads, not Luke's one, Luke's one is great advice, but apart from that, those kind of ads are are ridiculous, right? They're just silly sounding things, but people are drawn to them. Now, why do you think that is? (laughs) See, I think deep down, most people know that if you want to be healthy and get in shape, then you should exercise and eat well, and that'll be good for you. But that's hard work. (laughs) And we don't like that. And so instead, people are always tempted to chase after these easy kind of quick fix solutions to um, those kind of things. Now, growing in the Christian life is actually pretty similar to that. It's pretty similar to like just needing to, to get into it. So picture this, you become a Christian, maybe you became a Christian on fat, you hear the good news about Jesus, that his death, his resurrection means that you can be made holy by him. And so you go, I'm in. I want to be a Christian. And so Jesus becomes your Lord and your Savior, right? But then you go, well, what do I do now? (laughs) Where to from here? I'm a Christian, but how do I grow as a Christian? How do I do that? And I think at that point, lots of people are actually drawn to these kind of quick, easy solutions for growth, or at least we hope that they might exist, you know, beat sin in these quick three ways or whatever, go to this camp, pray this special prayer, receive the Holy Spirit in an extra special way, and then presto, suddenly you're going to be godly for the rest of your life. Or it might be that maybe you're actually hoping, okay, I'm a Christian now, so hopefully just somehow automatically, if I just kind of sit around and hope, God will automatically grow me as a Christian. Guys, that's not how Christian life works. It doesn't work like that. You will never grow as a Christian by accident. And you won't grow through some quick, easy fix. (laughs) Growing as a Christian is something that God does in us as we give ourselves to it and work at it. And we're going to see that as we dig into this passage tonight. So let's pray and get into God's Word and see how we can actually grow as Christians. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your Word. Please, Lord, speak to us through it tonight. Please um, remind us of the Gospel, the good news about Jesus. 
And please, please spur us on to live lives that glorify you, that grow. Amen. All right, now in tonight's talk, we're going to deal with those two verses in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So we've kind of skipped forward a little bit in Timothy because we're not, we wouldn't have otherwise covered those verses if we don't do it tonight because of the way the term's shaping up. Um, so we're going to do just two verses in 1 Timothy 4. It's kind of a little bit like a bit of a topical thing off the back of fat, right? And some of the stuff that we're going to do tonight might have been something you might have heard last year at Fat Reunion and some of it will be new, but that's all right. But here's the first thing I want us to see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, right? We need to train to be godly. Have a look at 1 Timothy 4 verse 7. Check it out. Open up 1 Timothy 4. He starts by saying what we should avoid as Christians, right? He's wrapping up that. Verse 7, he says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' wives' tales. So that's that's what not to do. But then look at what else he says. Instead, rather, train yourself to be godly. Now... Growing in godliness is a similar thing to growing in holiness, which is what we talked about on fat. It does, growing in godliness doesn't mean as in like growing into becoming God or something like that. It's growing into more and more having the character, the character of God, taking on his character and re- reflected in us. Now, it's a long-term thing that you train yourself in. Godliness doesn't happen by accident. Now, the word there... Um, that it has for train yourself to be godly is actually a Greek word that's translated in English for us. The Greek word is the word gymnasio, right? I guess where we get the word gym from. This word, it's the same kind of word, right? And so it's saying spiritually exercise yourself to godliness. Not that literally going for a run makes you more godly, no, no. But it's saying in the same way you train for, for like physical health, train for spiritual godliness, apply yourself to growing in godliness, like the way a person tries to get into shape or whatever. I played basketball last night with my basketball team, like men's C-grade at Terrigal Stadium, and um, I was zero for 10 shots or something like that. It was an awful game. I didn't sink a single shot. It was... (laughs) Did someone just heckle me? Thanks, man. Um, It was terrible, right? And after the game, I was like, man, what is wrong with me? I forget how to play basketball. What's going on? And I kind of thought about it, and I've almost like not touched a basketball for like a month. So like I went to fat, I got, went on holidays, got sick. I just haven't been going near basketballs. And so if I haven't been training, it kind of makes sense that I wouldn't be very good at basketball anymore. It's just, it's just kind of reality. It's the same for Christian life, guys. If you don't give yourself to it, work at it, do something, you can't expect change to happen. And so before we go any further, I'll ask you this question. Are you prepared, are you ready to put in the everyday, normal, day-to-day hard work so you can grow as a Christian? Are you ready for that? It'd be sweet if you guys just up the front could stop talking too. But are you ready to actually put in some effort and give yourself to this thing? Because there's not a single Christian in this room who is unable to grow. That Christian doesn't exist. I think often we think about um, growing in godliness as a Christian and we kind of imagine that there's some people who are just like born naturally godly or good at being a Christian or something. You know, like some people are like natural athletes or whatever, naturally good at mass, they're real smart. Um, naturally, some people are just born godly or they, it's going to be easier for them. No, that's not how it works. We're all in the same boat and the command here from Paul is train yourself to be godly. Work at it. Sweat. Give yourself to it. All Christians can change. We saw that on fat. 
And so will you? Will you give yourself to this? Now, how do you do this, right? You want to change, you decide you want to train to be godly, give yourself to it. Well, use the tools for holiness like we talked about on fat. I'm not going to go through this in detail because we talked about it on fat, but let me remind you really quickly, remember the reason for holiness, right? The motivation for our pursuit of holiness. We talked about this on the third night. Now, maybe you need to download the talk from that third night and have a listen to it again. Maybe you need to look at your notes and be reminded of the gospel truths, the grace of God, which fuels our pursuit of holiness, that fuels our pursuit of godliness. Guys, if you reflect on the reason for holiness, the reason for growth as a Christian, You'll grow because of that. God's Word will shape you. Secondly, get into God's Word. We heard it on the video. I've actually talked to a bunch of you guys who started reading the Bible on your own. You've been reading 1 Timothy on your own each each day, and it's been epic. Like I can see people's lives being changed around me as they talk about how good it is. It's addictive to get into God's Word in a good way. The more you do it, the more you love it, the more you can't live without it, it'll change your life. Guys, get into God's Word if you haven't already. It's, It's awesome. Um, get those daily reading notes for you, for 1 Timothy, they're outside. Number three, pray. God loves to hear our prayers, he loves to answer our prayers. And on fat, I dared all of you, if you were there, to choose one area of your life that you knew you needed to grow in. You remember that? Who remembers being dared by me to choose something and just pray for it each day? Well, I did anyway. And for those of you who did start doing that, I wonder if you've stopped and reflected on what God might have already done in your life in answering that prayer. My guess, I, haven't, I don't know all your lies, but my guess is God's already done great things as he's answered prayer that he would change you and work in you. And so start praying if you haven't already. Number four, Christian community. Now, guys, I've been so encouraged after FAT to see so many extra people jumping into G-teams each week at EVA Youth. It's been epic. I've seen whole G-teams start for the first time. I've seen heaps of people jump in, and it's epic. And so, guys, if you've done that, I want to say keep at it, stick at it. Um, maybe your group since FAT has been really exciting and really awesome and it's just the best thing in the world and you're like, I'm never going to leave this, that might be you. Um, maybe your G-team's been all right but maybe not as good as it could be and so I want to encourage you, if G-team isn't everything you hope it is, well, just stick at it, commit to it and maybe be the change that you want to see happen in your group. If there's things about the way your group rolls that could be better... Well, be the person who brings that up and says, how about we pray? How about we, you know, what, what, how about we love each other better? Whatever. Be the change in your group. Don't leave your group. Stick it out. Give yourselves to it. Train yourselves to be godly in Christian community. Now, there's the four tools for holiness that we talked about on fat. But what's our motivation, right? What's going to motivate us to do this? Well, here's the second thing I want us to see in 1 Timothy. You ready for this? Godliness is worth it. Check out verse 8. Grab your Bibles. Look at verse 8. He says, here's what he says, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so, first of all, he compares training in godliness to training for like physical, like exercise, right? And like, I don't know what you think of exercise. Maybe you like hate it and you're like, it's the worst thing in the world. Maybe you love it. But I think we'd all agree that it's probably a pretty valuable thing. It's probably pretty important. And Paul's like, yeah, it's good. Exercise is good, physical exercise. But training in godliness is better. And he says why. He says that it's got value in this life now and the next life. So godliness 
is good for us now and it's going to be good for us in the future. Now, how does that work? Why is godliness good in those two ways? Let me unpack that for you. How is godliness good even now? So before you worry about where you'll be with God at the end of life, how is godliness a good thing now? (laughs) So I reckon lots of people hear this idea of godliness or holiness growing in this stuff. And for us, it's kind of like we picture like, I don't know, stuff that grannies are into or something, like people wearing, I don't know, ankle-length grey skirts and knitting and whatever, and you're like, yeah, godliness, that sounds great, right? But Paul's claiming here that godliness is good. It's a good thing. Let me, let me show you a few reasons why it's actually a great thing. Um, first of all, godliness actually pleases God. We saw this on Fat as well, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. If you, if you know God, if you love Him, if you're a Christian... Surely one of your great desires would be to please God. Godliness does that. And you can. You can please God. What an incredible privilege it is to be able to, to please our Heavenly Father. That's pretty cool. Godliness, growth in godliness does that. Secondly though, godliness in us, the way we live, the shape of our lives, the character of who we are, actually draws other people to God. Matthew chapter 5, you can see it if you look it up another time. Jesus says that the world looks at the lives of Christians as if they're living rightly and ends up praising God for the way they're living. They give glory to God for our lives if we live godly lives. Our godliness will draw others to God. Thirdly, guys, God, this is a nice simple one, it's a selfish one almost. Godliness will just save you a bunch of pain. <laughs> It'll save you pain in your own life. Have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He's talking about people who get caught up in loving money. And look what he says. He says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so the result of chasing after money instead of following God and chasing after godliness is that you get pierced with many griefs. For example, in this case, it's greed, right, is doing this. So sin on the outside, not just greed, but all sin on the outside, we look at it and we think, yeah, I reckon that's going to be good for me. I reckon that's going to satisfy me. I reckon that's going to be the way to have a good life. We always think that about sin as we look at it, but sin is toxic. It destroys, it harms us, it doesn't help us. Um, I'll give you an illustration. Eskimos have worked out a way to kill wolves, right? Now, I don't know if this is true, read on the internet, must be true, right? But here it is. What Eskimos do, allegedly, is they get a really sharp knife and they dip it in seal blood, like kill a seal, dip it in the blood, and then like put it in the snow, freeze that blood on it, dip it in more blood, freeze it, and they kind of make like a big blood popsicle on the end of a knife, right? It's kind of gross, it gets grosser. They stick that knife in the sand with your blood popsicle on it and then a wolf comes along and it's like, tasty treat, blood popsicle. And so the wolf starts licking away at the popsicle and it's freezing cold and so its tongue gets really numb as it licks the blood popsicle and eventually it works down to the knife instead of the popsicle and it starts licking this knife but by then it's gross, right? It's really gross. Its tongue is so numb that it's like, oh, more blood. This is great. I'm going to keep drinking this blood. Oh, this blood seems warmer than before. Oh, well, cool. And just keeps drinking, right? And it drinks its own blood to death. Disgusting, right? All right, we'll move the slide on because you're all traumatized. Some of you are looking at me like this. 
<laughs> um, here's the thing, right? Sin can seem like the best thing in the world. It can seem like a nice, tasty treat, the good way, the thing that's going to really satisfy me. But when we live for it, we end up piercing ourselves, hurting ourselves with all sorts of griefs. Sin leads to pain in your life now, not just problems for the future in your relationship with God. Sin hurts us, it makes our life worse now, and it's a much bigger problem as well. Guys, godliness will spare you that pain. So even now, godliness holds out promise for this life, which is really cool. But more than that, he goes on to say, he says it holds out promise for this life, it's good for now, and it's good for the life to come. I'll read it again, verse 4, verse 8, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value, holding out promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, what's the, what's the good thing, the promise that godliness holds for the next life? That's a little bit of a mystery, I reckon. Um, I, I want to be clear on this. It's not the reward for... Um, the reward is not salvation here. So the promise for the next life is not, if you grow in godliness enough, then you'll earn salvation. So you better be good now so you can make sure you go to heaven later. That's not it. That's not what's been said here. Remember on fat, we saw really clearly that salvation is not the reward for being good. Instead, actually, salvation leads to good works. We saw that in James. We saw that when we looked at holiness, okay? So I've got to be really clear on this, guys. We are not saved by growth. We are saved by godliness, not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done. And so, guys, please, if you haven't been paying perfect attention, listen now. If there's one one of your first times here, I do not want you to walk out the door going, cool, okay, so if I'm good enough, I can go to heaven. No, no. First and foremost, a Christian is someone who's been saved by Jesus, by what he's done. They've been made holy by his sacrifice on the cross. But the response to Jesus is that they would seek to grow in godliness, right? Live the Christian life. But the New Testament does make clear that there is a reward in heaven for those who pursue godliness now. It does talk about that. And people guess about what that reward might be. Maybe the reward could be that when you get to heaven, you enjoy it more because you're godly. Could be that. It could be that in heaven, you bring many people with you and that brings you joy when you get there. I'm not sure what it is, but what's clear is this, guys. It's eternal and it's very good. The God who gives you everything that you enjoy in this life is the one who's promising that in the next life, godliness now will be worth it. That's good news. Godliness holds out promise for this life now and for the life to come. I reckon godliness is a thing, holiness, godliness is a thing that we massively undervalue, all right? I reckon it's a little bit like how we think about exercise sometimes. We kind of look at the people who are all fussed about exercise and they're like, yeah, that looks good for them, but I couldn't really be bothered. Um, but the funny thing is when people care about exercise, it's good for them. It makes them feel better. They, um, they get all in good endorphins and all that kind of stuff. They're less depressed, all the science, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it is a good thing. It may look like a bit of a bit of hard work or whatever, but the bottom line is it's good. It actually is. Godliness might sound hard or boring or difficult, whatever, but it is the best thing, much better than exercise. It's the best thing for this life now and the life to come. So guys, I've got two, two questions I want to ask you, then we're done. Here's the first one. 
How do you view the pursuit of godliness? How do you think about it? Have you bought the lie of the devil? The devil loves to make us think that godliness equals missing out. That's what the devil will tell us. (laughs) But that's warped. That's a wrong view of things. Godliness doesn't equal the boring, dodgy way that might be better off in the long run. It's good now. It's good in the future. Have you got a warped view of what it means to live the Christian life? Secondly, how much are you willing to sacrifice to grow in godliness? actually willing to give yourself to it when it's costly. So you might be sitting here tonight hearing this and you're going, yeah, I should grow in godliness. That sounds good. It really does. But I'm not very disciplined. I'm not one of those work hard in the HSC kids or, I don't know, do what I want to do all the time kids. I'm more like the person who ends up watching a whole season of Netflix accidentally or whatever, you know. Guys, I see young people all the time who have so much incredible discipline in all sorts of things when they care about it. I do. So I do see, I'm, I've been talking about exercise a lot tonight, I don't know why, right? But I do see young people, right, who go to the gym, gym like three, four times a week so they can look a certain way in summer at the beach. Um, I see young people who are incredibly gifted at sport, not gifted, but good at sport, because they go to rugby training twice a week to learn how to kick around a funny-shaped ball on the weekend. And they're real good at it now because they train real hard. Um, there is, there's young people who are really good at um, math because they study a lot, they read, they work harder, they do their homework. Some of you are really disciplined at video games. You are, yeah, yeah. Um, our, now our consoles, right, you look on your Xbox, your PlayStation, it counts for you like how many hours you spend on a game. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can just look at what you blew on Call of Duty whatever the next one was. You know, you can see how much time you spend on games. And if you do that, you'll look at it and you'll be like... Oh, it's been a hundred hours on Pac-Man or whatever it is you've been doing, right? <laughs> Who's spent a hundred hours on a video game? Who knows that they've done that? Oh, I don't even want to know. That's terrifying. Wow. Okay. All right. You get the point. Listen, you can be really disciplined in something when you care about it. And in fact... What you're willing to sacrifice for, what you're willing to spend your effort and your time on, what you're disciplined in, shows where your heart is. Shows where your heart is. And so what price, what sacrifice are you willing to make for the sake of growing? You can do it when you go to the gym, you can do it um, to, I don't know, School, video games, 100 hours. Anyone who can do 100 hours on a video game, you've got, you got commitment, all right? You're there. What are you willing to sacrifice to grow as a Christian? You can do it. God is with you in this. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. God is there, ready to work and change you. And so what are you... Are you ready? Are you ready to give yourself to this? Guys, keep trusting in Jesus' death to save you. And give yourself to those God-given tools of godliness. Read God's Word, pray, spend time in Christian community, reflect on the reason for godliness. Give yourself to that and you'll grow. God will do a work in you. Let's pray that He would. Let's pray now. Father God, thank You so much that You've saved us by Jesus. Thank You that our standing with You 
is not about what we've done or how good we are or how much we succeed at this stuff or whatever. Lord, thank you that it's all Jesus and none of us. But Father, please, I pray that you would help us to live the normal day-to-day of the boring Christian life. I pray that we'd give ourselves to these things. I pray that you'd change us. I pray that you'd keep changing us. Thank you so much for the work you've done in so many of these guys over the last bunch of weeks since that. Thank you for those who've picked up their Bibles and haven't stopped doing that. Thank you for the people who've joined us in G-Teams. Thank you for the people who started praying about things that matter to you and are on your heart. Father, please keep doing that. Keep growing us. Please make this a youth group of people that love you, love each other. I pray they'll be evident in our lives. And I pray that all of that would bring you glory. Amen.